Pacers split a pair of games over the weekend, showing just how thin their margin for error can be right now with so many young guys playing and so many key veterans out. And their loss to the Cavs Sunday means it's over. Pacers eliminated. No play-in. They have three more games this season. We'll talk about the games, the elimination, and one more standings watch for the season, all on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI. And today, diving into the Pacers weekend, that was two games, one win and one loss, and the big story coming out of it eliminated from the hunt for the play-in, the playoffs, the postseason, whatever phrase you would like to use the Pacers by losing to the Cavs and the Bulls pulling off a big win on Sunday. It's over. Pacers can no longer reach any games beyond their Sunday game against the Knicks. We'll break all of it down. The Pacers weekend, how they're eliminated and what that changes about their approach going forward and standings watch for the last time of the season. I thought it could be a standings watch today looking at I guess there's still technical plan path. Instead, we'll just look at the inverse standings. We'll probably do a couple looks at the inverse standings throughout the week because it's the most fascinating thing going for the Pacers right now. And they got a bunch of huge results for their draft positioning on Sunday. But we'll start with the games that were because the Pacers did get a win, a feel-good win, given how their season had been going on Friday. They beat the Thunder at home by four. And it sort of exposed some flaws at the same time. The Pacers' margin for error right now is so, so, so thin if they want to get wins, given who's available for them with Hal Burnout. And with Turnaround, they're playing young guys. They're leaning in on development and internal growth and responsibilities and all these things that are very important for them down the stretch of the season, long-term, whatever phrasing you want to use, but are also extremely difficult to do and win at the same time. The Pacers played the Thunder on Friday, and they played pretty well, to their credit. They defended well. They got good performances from a couple young guys. Jalen Smith was really good in that game. TJ McConnell was fantastic. I did a whole story on him. I highly recommend you read on SI. But the Pacers in that game, 30 assists. They shot 46% from the field. They defended pretty well. They got to the line, and they won by four because the Thunder just forgot how to shoot. The Thunder went four for 30 from deep in the game. Their best shooter, Isaiah Joe, went over eight. Like all these things that, yeah, the Pacers defended the three well. This isn't just the Thunder missed shots, but the Thunder kind of did just miss some shots too, where it's a little bit almost lucky that the Pacers were able to emerge with this win and they had to play perfectly and get some luck to make it happen versus against the Cavs where in the first half, the Pacers had similar luck in that game, right? They shot 6 of 14 from deep. They got to the foul line 17 times and hit 13 of them. They had low turnovers. They had 14 assists. Their offense was rolling, right? That's what it took for them to be winning by two points at halftime against the Cavs. They did look really good, though. They played very well in this first half against Cleveland, by the way. If you're on YouTube or listening and the audio quality is a little different, it's because I'm in a hotel in Cleveland. went to the game at Rocket Mortgageville. That was a great time to see another new arena. But in the second half, finally the Pacers' margin for error threat went away, right? They they shot three for 10 from deep. They couldn't get to the line as much. They were under 40% from the field, and their turnovers exceeded their assist numbers in that half. Meanwhile, the Cavs' defense ratcheted up. They started hitting some threes, and they completely dominated the second half by 12 points. 
and they get the win. So these games are really exposing how thin those margins for errors are for the Pacers right now, right? Fantastic Jalen Smith game, fantastic TJ McConnell game, good Nembard game on Friday against the Thunder, and they still barely held on. Shea Gilgis-Alexander had a chance to tie it late against the Cavs. They played really amazing for two and a half quarters, and they still lost by double figures. The Pacers have to play really well, almost perfectly to win with who they have available, and that was really, really key over this past week, and I think that's the biggest takeaway is if the Pacers are going to win again, even against Detroit on Friday, right? They play the Knicks twice and the Pistons wants to close out their season. That's a play almost perfectly to get the wins. Now, granted, now that they're eliminated, wins not very important for this team at this stage of the season, but still noteworthy. Also noteworthy, though, is the growth that was seen from some Pacers players this weekend. I'm going to do a story on him, but Jalen Smith is playing some terrific basketball right now. I want to start with him, even though I don't think he was the best Pacers player from the weekend. He's just been in a bit of a groove, right? He, against the, like I said, against the Thunder, had that 12.15 rebound double-double, looked like one of the best players on the floor. He had 17 right before that against Milwaukee, 11 against Dallas and Atlanta. He has scored in double digits now because against the Cavs, he did it again in that game. He finished with 12 points. He scored in double figures five games in a row, and he had three games stretched in a row before two rough nighters when he was coming off the bench behind Isaiah Jackson. So he scored double figures in eight of his last 10 games now, rounding into form to close out this season, which is good to see for him and for the Pacers. Entering tonight, uh, entering this Cavs game, he was averaging 10 and 6 this month for the Pacers, and now those numbers will certainly be going up. So he's been playing really well, and I thought his offense looked good over the weekend. I think that's noteworthy that he's kind of growing a little bit in that way with more responsibilities. But the big standout thing to me is his defense, and he talked about this is that his defensive growth has kind of come as, you know, he's so, it's so much more natural for him to play defense at the five, at the four, what he was doing early in the season. That's kind of new. He was doing better at it as time progressed, but still not natural for him. Then he had to remember the principles of playing the five, but it's so much more natural, you can tell. And he made some big defensive plays at the end of the Thunder game, some blocks, some rebounds, everything really, to get the Pacers the win. He was a plus six in a four-point win in under 30 minutes, was really good. And then again against the Cavs off the bench in that one, five for eight, 12 points, eight rebounds in 27 minutes. Jalen Smith had a really good weekend, and he is closing the season strong after a rough year. The shot is still not there, right? He talked about that a little bit after the, uh, the Cavs game, just saying it's not something that's falling for him, even though he felt like he couldn't miss last season. But uh, it's stabilizing a bit here. His scoring's gone up. He's really finding his spots a lot better which I think is key for him heading into next season and getting this momentum, showing what you can do, showing how you can fit is crucial for these young guys. I thought Jalen Smith had a great week. And you know who else did is not a young player, TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell, one of his best games of the season on Friday against the Thunder, 21 points on 10 for 15 shooting. That was the only 20-point score for the Pacers in both games they played this weekend. Nine rebounds, eight assists. They couldn't get him off the floor in this win was defending good players for the Thunder, getting into the paint, shifting the defense against the Cavs two nights later. Seven for eight from the field, five assists, 16 points and five assists. He was a plus seven and a 10-point loss. He was a plus 16 and a four-point win. He was amazing this weekend. He's looking awesome. He's showing how he can create for this team, and he's such a crucial part of with no Tyrese Halliburton, this team's entire identity. And it's been fascinating to see him step up in that way and be so crucial. 
Rick Carlisle played him 10 more minutes on Friday than he did on Sunday. Uh, you know, his minutes will be interesting to see going forward with Gabe York now potentially available for these last three games for the Pacers. But TJ McConnell played two really, really fantastic games this weekend. Uh, and was a big part of the Pacers getting that win on Friday. And the last guy I want to really dive into would be Benedict Matherin, not for the reasons that everybody else does, though. 15 points, four rebounds against the Thunder on Friday. Pretty solid outing on the offensive side of the ball. It took him only eight shots to get those 15 points, right? That's the efficient stuff that Matherin's done all season. Sunday, 19 points on 12 shots, nine rebounds, two blocks, right? Almost a double-double was solid again. But the thing that's standing out to me about Matherin is what the Pacers are doing with him, right? They are asking him to be a defensive guy. They're adding those responsibilities. That's the word Carlisle keeps using when talking about him as a, as a starter. Responsibilities. It's a big part of his development. I did a whole segment on this after his 29-point game last week of you know his new role, what it means, how starting is different than coming off the bench, and how he acknowledged that. But seeing him in these games not only have solid offensive nights, right? 15 points on eight shots, 19 points on 12 shots, solid on that end of the floor, grabbing rebounds. But then against the Thunder, defending Shea Gilgis Alexander in key moments on Josh Giddy or J Dub at some points, right? That's big stuff for him. Those are significantly trickier matchups than he what he's had a lot of the season, especially coming off the bench. Those will be big development moments for him down the stretch of this season and heading into next season. Against the Cavs, there's a million of those tough defensive opportunities. Obviously, the two All-Stars, Garland and Mitchell, stand out. Even Karis LeVert is a tough cover, as Pacers fans know. He had 15 points on Sunday as well, right? There was a lot of tough matchups that he had to deal with all weekend, and he really took them in stride and did a good job. So lots of players played good in one game or the other this weekend for the Pacers or you know, started to show some growth, uh, You know, not to belittle anybody by ignoring them, but those three to me, McConnell having one of his best games of the season, Smith's form recently, and Matherin were all really noteworthy and guys that I think had good weekends that they can take away from and try to apply to the Pacers' last three games this season. But the biggest takeaway for the Pacers this weekend, they're done chasing the postseason. It's over. They lost on Sunday to the Cavs. They can no longer catch the Bulls. There'll be no play-in, no playoffs for the Pacers this year. How should that change their approach in the last week of the season? Let's get to that in the next segment because there's a lot of stuff that Rick Carlisle had to say about that when I asked him about it after Sunday's game. Before we do that, though, let me talk to you guys about prize picks. Prize picks, daily fantasy made easy. Simple concept. Do you think Luka Doncic will score more or less than 33.5 points? Will Steph Curry have more or less than three and a half threes made? That's prize picks. You pick a player. And a stat. Really, you pick two to six players. You know, they score more or less in their prize pick projection for that stat. You can up to 25 times your money on an entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. NBA, MLB now in full swing. NHL, NFL when it restarts. College sports, they've got it all. You can make your picks in a minute or less. It's easy. It's safe with fast withdrawals and operational in over 30 states plus Canada. So download the prize picks app today. Or go to prizepicks.com, sign up, play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PrizePicks will give you $100. You deposit $50, PrizePicks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON for instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks, daily fantasy made easy. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, up on over to Lockdown Cavs. Hear their side of the story of their weekend. They lost the Knicks, but beat the Pacers very close to clinching the four seed that Cleveland Cavaliers team. 
and I cannot wait for the Donovan Mitchell versus the Knicks playoff series. That will be so endlessly fascinating from a story and basketball perspective. But the big story from that game on the Pacers' side, that's it. That is the end of their run towards any plan. Honestly, to give the Pacers a lot of credit, I predicted them for 26 wins this season. Most sports books had their over-under somewhere around there. Most picked they would – most, not all. I, I saw some commenters and more bullish people who were correct about this team being better. Uh, but most predicted them in the high 20s in wins. They survived still in the mix for a play-in slash playoff berth till April 2nd. And really, they were only about an hour away because this was an 8 p.m. tip for making it to April 3rd. That is a much better season than anyone predicted. They've done a fantastic job this year of developing, looking stronger on the floor. But there's no more chasing of the play-in for the Pacers because on Sunday, not only did they lose to the Cavs, which was sort of expected. Cavs needed the win. They're more talented. But the Bulls pulled off a big upset. They beat the Grizzlies uh, to in a massive second half that scored Memphis 75 to 39 in the second half of that game to get the win. They've been playing well recently. They've won seven of their last 10, but now it's official. The Pacers peak wins is 38. Uh, excuse me, is 37 and the Bulls have 38 wins. The Raptors have 39 wins. The Hawks have 39 wins. The Pacers cannot reach the plan anymore. They've been eliminated from postseason contention it was going to happen eventually i thought it could happen on friday but uh the pacers ended up upsetting the thunder obviously uh last week the bulls had one stinker of a loss i forget who it was against so it it got delayed by more than i thought it would but it does end up happening on the same day that toronto and atlanta also both get wins uh washington also now eliminated from the plan which is significant for the inverse standings right the pacers still have to hold off the Wizards and all these teams. Orlando still alive, technically. If they could win out, they could get to 38 wins. And if the Bulls lose out, the Magic would have that tiebreaker. The Pacers cannot get to that 38-win number. Uh, the Wizards don't have the Bulls tiebreaker, so they will not be trying. Orlando, I guess, could be trying at this stage. But that's the East situation. Washington out, Pacers out, Magic still alive. And then the Hornets and Pistons, of course, also out in a 10-team field. Likely set one loss by the Magic or win by the Bulls, and that's it. But for the Pacers, this is extremely significant beyond what it means for the rest of the teams in the standings around them. It means that their their mission is clear for the last five games. It already was pretty clear. They were already doing what a lot suggested they should, focusing on development, focusing on growth, getting those learning moments. That's how Rick Carlisle described them. A lot of phrases like learning, like I said, that's in the headline of one of the stories about it responsibilities he used the word internal development today uh in his post-game press conference those are the things the Pacers are focusing on and have been focusing on now that is crystal clear the message down the stretch right winning and losing not nearly as important it does not matter to the fate of their season they've already exceeded expectations maybe even internally they've exceeded some expectations given how Kevin Pritchard was talking at the trade deadline I still think they probably have with their 34 win season so now the rest of the season is easy. Get your young guys on the floor. Get them minutes to develop. Get them in new situations. Allow them to explore their games and develop and get some momentum heading into the summer so they can feel good about their development as they work on their games and get the team some developmental momentum heading into the summer. That is just as important. I asked Rick Carlisle uh, after the game, you know, if anything changes for this team, 
now that the elimination is official. You know, I, I, I didn't think so given what they've been doing and how they've been playing. He even kind of asked me after I asked the question, you know, what, what, what do you, should anything change? No, nothing probably should change, but a little bit more of a, I don't know if serious is the right word, but just it's more refined what their approach should be to these last three games. The first thing he said, of course, Gabe York is going to be active for their last three games on his two-way deal. He can only be active for three of the Pacers' final five games. After his signing, he was inactive for these last two games, so he can now be active for their last three. That's one thing. They can explore his play. Perhaps he steals some of TJ McConnell's minutes in these games. I don't know exactly how the Pacers will deploy him or what the plan is. That's the new thing, the new sort of thing, but the way Rick described it is the approach is the same, and I think that's let, you know, given how these games have gone, makes the most sense. They'll be competitive and finding those learning chances for the young guys, whether that's a ton of minutes for Andrew Nembard or Jalen Smith or dif- more difficult matchups for Benedict Matherin or, you know, finding a way to get Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith different run or get Warren and Neesmith or playmaking chances, whatever that is. There's a million ways that could go, but that's the important part of this. Those young guys get those opportunities to do exactly that in these Pacers' last three games because the wins and losses part of this is no longer part of the equation, right? Winning for the Pacers, it might just happen against the Pistons, right? The Pistons are not talented. The Pistons have one win in their last 23 games. It was also against the Pacers uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, but they're not talented. That's that's a hard game to lose, but they should lose both Knicks games. The Knicks are trying. They could still technically get the fourth seed. We'll see uh, how that all ends up shaking out for them and what their goals end up being. Either way, they have to hold off the Nets in the 6-5. Um, it, so the Pacers will be going for development against against those teams and their goals. Um, but Rick also said it's a great opportunity for young guys, right? Not only the ones I just said, but all the rest. And, again, they're getting a lot of minutes. They're getting a lot of opportunity. Matherin's playing 35-plus minutes every night. Nembard's getting over 30 minutes. Vora's getting 30 minutes. You know, that, that, is, that is what should be the case in these games. You know, George Hill, James Johnson, Daniel Tice were the three DNPs for the Pacers against the Cavs. That's the right three guys, right? When Gabe York is in there, perhaps TJ McConnell becomes a DMP or some of Buddy Heald's minutes go away to the two new two-way guards. The Pacers explore him a little bit and get some younger guys onto the floor. The other thing Carlisle said is this period is valuable for momentum heading into next season. I kind of alluded to that, but you know, for some young players, closing the season strong can be significant for your confidence, for your growth, for your focuses in the summer. Jalen Smith, a great example last year, right? That can happen to a lot of guys. That's really important. And a couple other Carlisle notes from when I asked him about uh, what the focus could be uh, down the stretch now that they're eliminated. He, he mentioned their draft cap and assets <laughs> and said that all of that will be a part of their positive momentum in the summer is that they have all these options, right? They have so many picks. Uh, they have the Cavs pick, they have the Celtics pick, the Rockets pick, looking a little bit better. We'll talk about that in the last segment. Something good happened on that front on Sunday. Uh, their own first, obviously, another second that won't be as good. Like They've got a lot of ammo. They've got a lot of Cavs space. The new CBA stuff rolling in, I'll do a podcast on that at some point. Uh, looking good for potentially their room exception. Like A lot of stuff suggests this is going to be an aggressive summer for the Pacers by default, but also... Just given where they are, it makes a lot of sense for them to be aggressive in a way that, yeah, you can say you tried in the past, but like the action suggests that it will make a lot of sense this time. And the other thing Carlisle said, and this is the the point that I think a lot of fans would like to hear about, is he said uh, they, that is, they, they cannot underestimate the importance of internal development and responsibility, right? And I think that is the key for the Pacers in these last three games, in their last week of the season, now that there is no playoffs, there is no plan internal development that is the goal that is the key 
get guys in situations where their responsibility is a little different or a little more, even if it's similar, it's just more of it, and see how they handle it, right? Is Can they handle harder challenges? Can they handle an expanded role? Can they handle doing something with the ball away from the ball that they don't do all season? And can that development, one, be shown over this week, but two, be something that they can feel confident about, feel good about internally heading into the summer. I like where this guy's at with the skill. This guy needs to work on this skill. Knowing all that information really helps iron out what their summer is going to look like. And it's important that they figure out as much as they possibly can in these last three games, development, fact finding, whatever phrasing you want to use. That's the key for the Pacers in these last three games. Now that they're eliminated, if you want, you can look on YouTube on the Pacers page. You can hear what Carlisle said when I asked him that question uh, in the presser, the end of the Pacers Cavs game. Let's do standings watch one more time this season. Here where the Pacers are in the standings, they no longer can reach the plan, obviously, but the inverse standings are very important and how the Cavs picks doing, who you need to be rooting for as a Pacers fan, the Celtics pick, the Rockets pick, everything because there's so many layers to peel back and the picture becomes more clear every single day. Every game changes the standing so significantly in the NBA right now. It's absolutely bananas how close all these teams are with a week to go. Before we do that, though, let's talk about the built March Madness bracket. March is over, but March Madness not quite done championship game tonight. If you have a favorite built bar or built pub, now's your favorite time to make an account. BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. I'll be voting for the peanut butter brownie. If you want the Pacers to win or lose, you should be voting for your favorite bar too. Support your team and support your favorites at Built Bar. If you go vote, you could be entered into a drawing. You will be entered into a drawing. We're 50 lucky lockdown listeners. We'll get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one fan will get a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You've got to try Built, the best protein bar ever. They're so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. What makes them so good? Well, they're all high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. It tastes like a candy bar. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day until the tournament's over. Hop in and support your pick. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. Man, there's a lot of good stories in the NBA right now. So a couple to suggest. Lockdown Suns for your second listen. Kevin Durant back. Suns keep winning. Lockdown Mavs for your second listen. Mavs keep losing. <laughs> the opposite story of the Phoenix Suns. The Cavs, I suggested, top three. The East has settled any of those teams in a fascinating situation. And the Spurs, big win over the Kings on the road. We'll talk about the Spurs in this segment in a second. Lockdown Spurs, Jeff Garcia's got it for you. Standings watch. We made it to the last week of the season. Didn't think we'd do one last week. We did. And now we're doing one this week. But, of course, the lead is the Pacers cannot reach the plan anymore. There's no point of talking about the Bulls. There's no point of talking about the Pacers winning and what that means for the standings because it doesn't matter. If they win the last three games, they'll have 37 wins, and they still won't make the playoffs. By the way, 37 wins would, at worst, tie them for 10th in the inverse standings, and that's where we start. The Pacers' floor is officially set at 10. They're one loss away from their inverse standings floor being set at 9. If they lose both games to the Knicks, their floor in the inverse innings is set at 8. And so there's a lot of layers to peel back in this. But it's looking very likely the Pacers will finish somewhere between 5 and 8 in the inverse standings. And, of course, that is the biggest thing to watch because it's their own lottery pick that is the biggest story for the Pacers in the standings down the stretch of the season. Where will that end up? How can it help them next season or do whatever they can with it? The highest it can get is 5. Uh, because the Hornets have locked up four. The lowest they can get, like I said, is 10. We'll see how this week ends up going. 
Currently, the Pacers at 34 and 45 have sixth locked up in the inverse standings, but right half a game away is the Portland Trailblazers, who have one game in hand on the Pacers. So they'll they'll play another one if they lose it. In theory, both teams will have played. Excuse, uh, both teams will have played 79, and the Pacers will be the team that is still in sixth. The Wizards are in seventh at 34 and 44. They have a game in hand on the Pacers as well. If they lose it. They'll tie the Pacers at six, and the Magic have the same 34 and 44 record. So when those teams reach 79 games, there'll be a clearer picture of how that all is going to shake out. That said, the Wizards play the Rockets later this season. So that's a significant game to watch. There's a lot of significant games for the Pacers this week that will really kind of define how this is all going. Orlando has a tough schedule, right? Cavs twice, Nets and Heat, although looking at the opponent's it's kind of tougher at this stage of the season. You never know who's going to be trying and who isn't at this stage. It's all very complicated the rest of the way. But that is the the crux of the Pacers situation. The key teams to watch. The Pacers would love to see wins from Portland, who plays San Antonio Thursday. Huge game for the Pacers in many ways. The Wizards and the Magic. Any wins from those teams would be huge in the Pacers, potentially locking up a higher lottery situation. We'll talk more about their odds as this week materializes and things come more into play. Let's talk about the other Pacers' first-round picks. The Cavs pick. It's clinched. The Pacers are going to get it. What's it going to be? The Cavs win over the Pacers. means that pick is currently in 25th, and the Cavs are half a game away from that pick being 26th. It looks very unlikely it could get to 27th, but it also looks kind of unlikely that it would fall down to 24th. The Kings, 6-4 and four in their last 10. They're one and a half games behind the Cavs. It looks like that Cavs pick is going to be 25th or 26 with one week to go. Any Cavs loss would be huge. Cavs play the Magic this week. If the Magic win that game, Pacers will be very happy to see that result. The Celtics, 54 wins. They're in tw- that pick is now 29th. It's also headed to the Pacers for sure. The 76ers, who are 27th in the inverse standings right now, their peak wins is 55. So one more win from Boston means that that one cannot go as low as 27 without a coin flip. And then the 76ers peak wins is 56. That pick is looking very likely to be 28 or 29, maybe 30 if the Bucks stumble a little bit. Pacers are rooting uh, very much for the Nuggets and Sixers and against the Celtics this week. And again, for, they're rooting for the Memphis Grizzlies and Sacramento Kings against the Cavaliers to make those picks as strong as possible. Now, the other pick the Pacers have that's extremely noteworthy is their second rounder from Houston. I wrote a story on this for Forbes if you'd like to see it broken down in a little more detail that is laid out in a way that makes sense. The Rockets, remember, the Pacers get the Rockets' second round pick if that pick is 31 or 32. If it's 33, it goes to the Celtics. And instead of the Rockets' pick, the Pacers get the worst of Miami and Dallas's second-round pick. Miami's second-rounder right now is pick 50. So there's an 18-pick difference riding on the Rockets finishing with a bottom-two record. Pacers would love to see it. Now, Pistons, 62 losses, 16 wins. The Rockets currently have a peak loss number of 63. So the Pistons need one more loss to lock up, essentially, at worst, a tiebreaker with the Rockets for the worst record. It's looking exceedingly unlikely that the Rockets pick will get down to one or being 31 in the second round, but it could still be 32, and the Rockets did get a win last week over the Pistons, ironically, but 
That got them 19 wins. That was the same number the Spurs had at the time the Rockets beat the Pistons. Great news for the Pacers, though, that happened on Sunday before their game finished is the Spurs won. I said this earlier. They beat the Kings in overtime in Sacramento. Huge win for the rest of the Pacers season to see the Spurs get that win. That's 20 for the Spurs. That could be the max the Rockets end up with, which makes it more likely. The Rockets have three more games makes it more likely that that pick at worst ends up being a coin flip for the Pacers to potentially keep it and once again lets the Rockets control their destiny for that top two slot. The Rockets close with an easy schedule though. They play Denver, uh, they play Washington, and they play Charlotte. Washington not playing for anything, Charlotte not playing for anything. Denver still has not locked up the top pick. So, excuse me, the top seed in the West. So they'll probably be trying, but uh, the Rockets losing to one of the Wizards or Hornets will guarantee for the Pacers at worst a coin flip to get that Rockets second round pick. So every game for them is significant. And then the Spurs, as I mentioned, the other team there, if the Spurs win one, that'd be also huge for the Pacers. And the Spurs have four more. They have Dallas, who that's their last game of the season. If Dallas ends up tanking by then, that could be huge. They also play Minnesota, Portland, who is not doing anything, uh, although they did just get a win Sunday as well, and Phoenix on their schedule. Any one win there from San Antonio, again, would be huge. Portland got a win Sunday. Uh, That was big for the Pacers. They got a road win in Minnesota. That was a devastating loss for the Timberwolves, but a huge, huge win for the Pacers, and the Blazers move up the standings a tiny little bit. So in short, the Pacers are rooting for the Spurs, the Blazers, the Wizards, the Magic, the Kings, the 76ers, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, and the Bucks. They're rooting against the Celtics, the Cavs, and the Rockets. And now that they're officially limited, likely a little bit against themselves, although it's really hard as an organization to actually do that. We'll see how this all shakes out. In theory, they're rooting for Detroit, although that one uh, exceedingly unlikely to actually matter for them down the stretch of the season. If you have any questions about standings, watch. It's confusing. There's lots of picks. There's lots of teams. There's lots of games. I'm on Twitter at T East NBA. I'm tracking this every single day and I'll break it down for you. I'll likely do another segment this week at some point because this will all in three days, this will all change so dramatically. And with very few games left at that stage, it'll be very obvious what the situations are for the Pacers. So we'll have more coming this week. Tomorrow, Jimmy Cook's going to join us. Uh, we're talking about the Pacers' focuses now that they're eliminated. A little bit what what players, young players specifically, have impressed us recently and maybe increased their status heading into another season. And a lot more stuff. Lots more coming this week as the Pacers have three games left of their season and are officially eliminated from playoff, postseason, whatever, contention. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. We'll see you tomorrow.